I know you guys already know this, but missing links are key elements in the theory of evolution. Uh, when Darwin developed the idea of missing links, uh, he could see how uh, animals were like they are, and his, his theory is that they evolved from that into the next structure, the next level of the species. But the only problem is, is there was nothing to prove that transition takes place. So he identified them as missing links, and he was sure that as science improved, that some of those missing links would be discovered. Well, it's been 200 years since this theory was developed, and we still don't have any missing links. Okay? They're still not there. I was thinking about some of the missing links uh, that would be uh, disastrous if there were missing links in the scriptures. Can you imagine if, if Genesis 3 was gone? You have Genesis 1 and 2, which is the Garden of Eden and everything's peachy blue chain, and then you go to Genesis 4 and you have murder, people killing each other, sin running rampant. Genesis 3 is when Satan comes into the world and introduces Eve and makes her rebel against God. So if we didn't have that link between those two, it would be kind of a crazy thing. Now imagine what would happen if we had the Gospels, the message of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion, and then all of a sudden we get to the epistles and we have all of, this, all of these letters to the churches. What's this all about? What's, what's a church? How does this all work? But Acts serves as a link between the Gospels and the epistles. And so the New Testament would be lacking if we didn't have the book of Acts. So this morning we're going to begin looking at the book of Acts, and thankfully it's not a missing link. It's here. Uh, and so we're going to walk our way through uh, the book of Acts this morning and kind of begin our walk, and I don't want to do it all today, but we're going to begin looking at this morning. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and we want to begin there in verse 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I do anticipate that we'll probably be here for a while, so we can put a bookmark here and we'll be here in the weeks to come. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them, after his suffering, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, as he begins to, do, to write this, and he begins to share this, he speaks about the first book. Does anybody have an idea what the first book is? The book of Luke, exactly right. Let's look over there at Luke chapter 1, verse 1 for a moment. And see if we see anything similar here, or familiar. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. It says here in Luke 1, verse 1, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us 
It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for, for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now, what do we see there? What is what do we what do we read here in this passage? What's that? An eyewitness, okay. Theophilus, okay. So he tells Theophilus in the first account, this is what I wrote to you, and, and he's writing a second account. So uh, this is the first account. So based on this and not having Sunday school already in your lives, who's the writer of the book of Acts? Luke is the writer. Luke is the one who authored this. And we, we read there in this first uh, Luke chapter 1 there that, that he was uh, looking at the life of, of Christ as an eyewitness and he saw all of that and, and he's recording that and he's writing that to Theophilus as an eyewitness account. And then the book of Acts is the second volume. It's the second volume of, of what, what Luke wants to share. Now, as we think about this and, and how it mentions this, that he's an eyewitness, okay, that Luke was an eyewitness of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go to the book of Acts now and look at Acts chapter 16. And we learn a little bit about Luke here in Acts chapter 16. Uh, let's, let's look there. Luke 16, and then drop down to verse 6. And let's look at the pronouns that are mentioned here in verse 6, okay? It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come uh, to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, approaching him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the, the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, uh, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, we remained in the city some days. So what do we see happening there? Two people. Okay, there's a two people here, isn't there? Now Luke, as he's writing and he's speaking about they, he's not with them, is he? They are making the missionary journey without Luke. But what happens in there? He joins them. Now it's no longer they are doing it. It's now usins are doing it. Okay? We are the ones who are doing it. Okay? So now Luke is not only an eyewitness to the life of ministry of, of Jesus, and he's writing that, but much of the book of Acts, he's writing it as an eyewitness as well. 
He has been there with Paul as Paul was going on these missionary journeys. He's joined the team and he's a part of the ministry team. So this eyewitness account of his, him being there with Jesus, also we see his eyewitness account here in this journey he took back to Christ. So we have an eyewitness account here. And he's written to Theophilus that he did enjoy as well. Any thoughts about that? Any questions about that? Alright, let's turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Paul writing to the people of Colossae. And where was Paul writing the book of Colossae from? Prison. From jail. From Gus Harrison. He's writing his letter. And he says this in Colossians 4, verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. So what do we learn about Luke right there? He's with Paul. And where is Paul? In prison. <laughs> what else do we learn about Luke? He's a physician. He's a doctor. How amazing as we look at the book of Luke and we follow his narrative of the Gospels. How many details that Luke sees because he's kind of detail oriented. But if you think about him going through and doing this journey with Paul, it's uh, pretty detail oriented as he shares what's going on. He's there as an eyewitness, uh, taking in all of those things. So Luke is the author of, of the book of Acts, and so we see that in his position. Now, let's go back to Luke 1 again. Any questions about Luke as the author? It's connected. It's connected. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, or Acts chapter 1, verse 1, sorry. I have Luke in your thing, but it is Acts, Acts 1. Acts 1, 1. Uh, it says this In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all these, all that Jesus began to do. Uh, and preach and teach uh, until the day when he was taken up. So here in, in Acts 1 1 and, and Luke 1 4, we see that Theophilus is the one that this is addressed to. Uh, and so Theophilus, as Luke, it was Luke's burden to write this to him. As we saw there in Luke 1, he shared that I'm writing this so that you may know, so the things that you've heard can be confirmed. And so that's his purpose in writing Luke. And, and then in Acts, he's writing with the same thing in mind that he's sharing all of this with Theophilus so that Theophilus would know. Now, I think it's interesting as we look at this, he shares this in, in Acts, in Acts 1 1. O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he covered the life and the ministry of Jesus in Luke chapter 1. But notice in verse 2, it says, Until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen. So, as we think about the first volume and the first volume that was shared, he shares with us the reason for that was to share with us what Jesus had done. But what do we see taking place here? What are we gonna, what's going to unfold for us as we read between the lines there in verses 2 and 3 of Acts 1? What do we think of Acts going to be 
Judea, there we go. That's where they're going to move. Now, as we think about Jerusalem, right? Judea is the area that's around Jerusalem. So it would be like Medina, okay? That's the first area, Medina. And then Linoi, Calvi, would be the next area, okay? So they're going to begin in Jerusalem. They're going to minister in Jerusalem. And then they're going to go to Judea. That's going to minister there. So, so their, their circle or their range of ministry is going to grow out to Judea. And then where do we see them go? Into Samaria. That's they go to Ohio. Okay? They go they go way south into Ohio. Actually, it's north of Judea. But that's where they'll go is into Samaria. Now, what do we know about Samaria? Okay. What's that? Jews didn't want to go there. They're half-breeds. Exactly right. The Samaritans... You have to say it with your nose. Samaritans. Okay? That's how it works. Now, now the history of Samaria is when, when other countries would invade, they would take some of those citizens with them. So when the Babylonians invaded, when the Assyrians invaded, they would come in and they would take some of those citizens with them and they would feed some of their own citizens there. So these Gentiles get transplanted in here. The Gentiles hang out, and at first the Jews and the Samaritans, or the Jews and the Gentiles are staying separated, but then pretty soon they start looking at each other and begin to intermarry, they begin to have children, and they're no longer Jewish children or Gentile children. Now they're half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile, and they become Samaritans. And so that's what they were looked at as not really Jews, okay? not really Gentiles, they're worse than that, they're Samaritans. But where are these Jewish apostles told to go with the gospel? Samaritan. The gospel is to go there. Alright? So that's the third phase of what we see of them moving into Samaria. And then where do we see them going in the fourth phase? All over the world. So then they go to Medina, <coughs> the uttermost parts of the world. Lost areas of the world. That's that's where they go. So as we move through this book, that is the outline of how we see this unfold. The church begins in Jerusalem. The church grows in Jerusalem, uh, and then it goes and moves out. Now persecution is what moves them out because they're just happy hanging out in Jerusalem, seeing Kumbaya. But they're going to get moved out, and they're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world as a result of that. Okay. Now. As we look at this, it says, uh, He presented himself alive to them and suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during the four days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, what happened during these four days? What was Jesus doing during these four days? Disciple. All right. Revealing himself to the people. I said, Disciple. Disciple. He's still teaching, isn't he? On Wednesday nights, we're going through the Gospels. What do we see Jesus doing there? Teaching. Teaching, teaching, teaching. So after the ascension, or after the resurrection, uh, before the ascension, he once again spends his four days teaching them, getting them prepared, uh, ready to send them out. And so that's what we see going on. He showed them many truths, uh, appeared to them many times during that four days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay? <laughs> Look at verse 4. While staying with them, he 
ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Alright, so what instruction did Jesus give? Wait. Wait. Uh, verse 8, look at verse 8 there, Acts 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. That's what they were to do, is to wait for them. Now, as we think about the Holy Spirit, why was it important for them to wait for the Holy Spirit? Power. Exactly. Exactly right. Power. Now, it says here in this passage that uh, it says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Where did we hear about the Holy Spirit from Jesus? Let's look at John 14, see if that's the place. John 14, verse 16. It's written in red. Let me know. John 14, verse 16. Written in red. Look at verse 16 of John 14. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Father is going to send a helper, and the Holy Spirit is a helper. And the word there says another helper, that word for another means one of the same kind. Have you ever done that? You've gone to exchange a pair of pants, and they say, you can have the same pants, but you can't upgrade. You can take one of the same. That's what this word is. There's a helper that's coming that's of the same time. So Jesus Christ being God the Son, sending a helper that's going to be of the same kind, God the Spirit. That's going to be the helper that we receive. This is the promise that the Father gives. Now turn over to John 16 and look at verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Is this in red as well? All right. This is still during the last, uh, just a matter of hours, in fact, before Jesus goes to the cross. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and he will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Things that are to come, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has in his mind. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, this is the helper 
why is it to their advantage that he sends this helper? Because it's the truth. Okay. Because it's the truth. Okay. All right. Okay. We've read the book. We know it's what they're going to be going through. We know it's going to be tough. And as we look at them, and as we see them going, what are they going to do? Are they going to hang out with 12 of them or the 11 of them and walk everywhere together hand in hand? They're going to go in different directions, aren't they? If Jesus was on earth, they had to be in one place, right? To be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus says, it's of your advantage that I leave because the Holy Spirit would be with all of them as you go. You want to be in one place. So they're going to go to the uttermost parts of the world and they're going to have the Spirit with them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what's going to happen. Steve, did you have something? Did I interrupt you? Okay. Yeah. He's going to guide them, and as we look at them too, they, and see in the Gospels, there's times when they're just like, we don't understand, we don't understand. But now, when we get in the book of Acts, they're going to be proclaiming the truth, and they're going to be saying, hey, this is what, this is what, this is it, this is the, the truth. And so they're going to be doing it. And we see the Holy Spirit is going to be the one who's convicting of sin. So when they go out, it's not one on 25 preaching, it's two on 25 preaching. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting them. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit pricking hearts and convicting them. Alright? Such detail, that's right. So, that's the introduction to the book of Acts. I hope my voice and your taste buds a little bit. I hope you got excited. Uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to teach uh, in this regard. Yesterday morning, I was laying there struggling, trying to figure out what I was going to do, and I just thought I'd look at Max. And so, here we are. Oh, oh. <laughs> almost like we're on one time. So. Okay, God in heaven.